been such a blessing to uh, each week this summer to really come uh, together as a people, uh, really with open hands and maybe not having any particular expectations as to what we're stepping into, but with open hands uh, saying, God, would you please revive us? Uh, We need you. We need you more than we need uh, any other means of rejuvenation. Uh, We need you more than we need coffee and the caffeine that comes from that. We need you more than we need donuts and the sugar that accompanies those donuts. Uh, God, we need you. We need you more than anything. And it has been such a blessing to be able to come together uh, week after week with those uh, just palmed up open hands saying, God, we're, we're desperate for you. We don't have, uh, as a people, none of us as individuals have what it takes, uh, but you do. <laughs> you are more than enough and, and we need you. So this has been a sweet summer together last week, uh, as Brady shared, uh, that, that our God is good, that he is a good God and that we can trust in his goodness. So often, uh, even from the, the Garden of Eden, our tendency as human beings is to look at God and believe that he's withholding good things from us. But this last week was a beautiful recognition of the goodness of God and the trustworthy nature of God. And we sang about this this morning, that, that this God is good and he is never going to let us down. That doesn't mean that we get all the circumstances we want, right? Or that we're never disappointed in life. What that means is that God remains faithful to us and to his promises to us in the midst of any and every circumstance. And we can recognize and believe that this God that we are singing about and singing to and coming together to worship is truly good. And this morning, um, I would love for us to grab our Bibles together. There is a passage of scripture that, that God has laid on our hearts uh, just as the teaching team has been coming together um, and, and working through with our gathering team. Uh, what, what, what do we uh, bring to the table each week? It's been so fun to just trust the Lord and say, God, we don't know. We don't have, you know, uh, Philippians 4, 7 through 11 slated on the schedule. We don't know exactly what you want to bring to the table, but we're pressing in every morning, uh, every Monday morning together. We're gathering as a staff team and we're praying together and we're asking God to speak to us And it's been so fun to see how God has been unfolding uh, his word to us for this moment in our church. And this chapter in the book of Isaiah has been laid on our hearts. uh, And we keep coming back to this space because it's so rich and so beautiful. And I want us to turn there together as we begin a journey together this morning of with our palms up saying, God, we need you. Uh, Would you revive us? Uh, I want us to start this morning in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me 
and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord, your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return empty to me but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. In the word of the Lord this morning, there is an invitation first to the people of Israel, as Isaiah wrote prophetically to that nation of what God would do in fulfilling his promises to them to bring a Messiah, that that the satisfaction of that nation would come through the knowledge of who God is. So God brings an invitation to us this morning saying, come to me, those who are thirsty and I will satisfy you. Come to me, those who are hungry. It reminds me of the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is inviting us through the words of Isaiah to come to him, to recognize that what he has can't be bought with money. If we even had it in the first place to buy anything from God, anything that we could earn or have to bring to God, what he gives to us is priceless because it's himself. And God invites us today and says, my people come to me. All these other things that don't satisfy you, instead of being stuck pursuing after those things, instead come to me. I will satisfy you and I will give you what you need. I will give you myself. So Mosaic today, we're just gonna go on a bit of a journey together 
It's going to look a little different than our typical gathering times look from week to week to week, but that's the fun of what we're asking God with open hands to do with us each week, to revive our hearts in a way that only he can. And this reviving looks different from week to week to week because God is a good and gracious God who knows what we as a people need. So this morning, we're going to take time and we're going to travel through some scripture together. We're going to meditate on here in just a moment. Amanda's going to come and read, and we're just going to take some time to slowly go through some of the words in Isaiah 55 and some of the promises that we see in Jesus. We're going to meditate on that together as a people, and we're going to continue our time together in worship. We're going to continue our time together through the word of God as we see this beautiful invitation that is before us, that God, our good King, is saying, come, come to me, come to the table, eat and drink of me because I am what you need. Are you ready? Amen. Father, we come before you today recognizing with open hands that we need you. That none of us are sufficient, but that God, you are all sufficient. So we come before you today. We pray that God, you would use your word to speak to us in unique ways. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would enlighten our hearts to know who you are and to what you are speaking to us through your word today. Lead us and guide us to Jesus. Lead us and guide us to the truth of the gospel. Lead us and guide us to the table where there is rich food and drink, where we can feast on you today, Jesus. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon.
we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. As we continue our journey together today, uh, responding to the invitation of the King, uh, we're going to look at a story together in Scripture uh, of an invitation of another King. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to invite you to open it to 2 Samuel chapter 9. So here we find uh, the story uh, of the Israelites picking up in the kingship of David. You may know David. Um, he is a, he's the guy who uh, was a shepherd boy, anointed as king, then slayed Goliath and became this victorious warrior uh, in the army of the Israelites under uh, King Saul's leadership. 
then King Saul grew jealous of the fame and recognition uh, that David was receiving from the people. And so he ended up chasing him out of the kingdom, uh, sending him on the run. Uh, and David, uh, for a while, was out in the wilderness uh, running for his life until uh, the time uh, where Saul uh, and his sons uh, were killed in battle with the Philistines at the end of First Samuel. And then David uh, was brought back to the city and was made king over the people. And Second Samuel kind of starts into uh, what his kingship looked like, what the story was. And we see um, a lot going on. Um, we see victories in battle. We see God make a covenant with David. Um, that is uh, a landmark moment in the history uh, of the world and of our faith, where God promises to David that I'm going to make for you and in you and through you a lineage um, that will last forever. Your kingdom will last forever uh, that will ultimately lead to the Messiah and the kingdom uh, that we get to be a part of, of the kingdom of heaven. And then um, in chapter 9 of Second Samuel, we find this story, uh, which may seem random and out of place, uh, but I believe uh, God put it in here very intentionally um, and very intentionally for us today to dive into as we receive the invitation of God. So, 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1, you can read along with me. It says this, And David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of Jonathan, for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him. Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Makur, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. We're going to stop there. So here in this passage, we, we, meet, we meet someone. His name is Mephibosheth. And as you could probably tell through the story, he is the grandson of Saul. Now, this is the Saul that I was just talking about that got jealous of David, ran him out of the kingdom, tried to kill him, threw spears at him. It was a crazy story, right? And uh, he uh, and Mephibosheth uh, was not living a part of the kingdom. He actually fled from the kingdom when his father uh, and, and grandfather and all his uncles were, were killed in battle. And uh, when he fled, his nurse actually carrying him dropped him, leaving him lame in both of his feet. And now we meet this Mephibosheth um, and uh, wondering what, and I'm sure he is wondering, what, what, is, what is happening? My, my, my grandfather tried to kill this king and now I'm called to the courts of this king. Could you imagine what may be going through his mind? You know, the, maybe the, the fear that is filling him up. Like, okay, hang on, my grandpa tried to kill you. Now you're, now you're calling me into 
your courts. What, what's going on here? Uh, he's uh, coming before the king, curious about what is going to happen. So let's keep reading and see what happens. And David said, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? What a turn of events, right? Put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoes for a moment. You're called into the courts of this king. You're probably terrified for your life because you know that pretty much your whole family has been wiped out. And this guy who your grandfather tried to kill is called you in. And then all of a sudden he says, do not fear speaks right to Mephibosheth in the heart of where he was at and says to him, do not fear. And he goes on, he says, I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to give back to you what was yours in the beginning that you lost. I'm going to restore to you this inheritance. I'm going to be kind to you and so kind that I'm actually going to welcome you and invite you and welcome you in to my table, to sit with me at my table. Mephibosheth realized how ridiculous this was, how crazy this invitation was, how wild it is that he's been brought in and shown this kind of kindness. And he responds with, what is your servant that you would show regard for a dead dog such as I? He knew how crazy it was. I mean, could you imagine just being a witness in that room Maybe you're, you're, you're a part of, of the kingdom and you're, you're, you're a servant in the kingdom or, or, or you're a part of royalty and you're seeing like, hang on a second, who is this guy? Like, why is he getting this? Why is he getting invited to this table? Why is he getting uh, this inheritance? I don't, I, don't, I don't understand what is going on. And, and to, to boot, he's, he's lame. He's, he's, he's broken. He can't even offer you anything. He deserved death, really. Can you imagine the amount of shame that Mephibosheth carried? Like his people loved David and his grandfather chased him out of the kingdom. And then, and then they, his, his grandfather and father were killed and he had to go run. He lost everything. Can you imagine the shame? His name actually, Mephibosheth, means scattered shame, scattering shame. Like, that's what he was known as. He was known as this guy that just had shame all over the place and left it in his wake. And he comes in and he's like, I don't have any comprehension for this kind of love. Why would you show regard for me, a dead dog such as I? I don't deserve this. This is crazy. I came here today expecting you to take my life, not give me gifts. I don't have any understand. I can't understand. I can't even fathom this kind of love this kind of kindness, this amount of generosity. What a crazy turn of events. Let's keep reading. Verse nine. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, all that belong to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth 
your master's grandson shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my Lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king, always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing story, right? What a beautiful, beautiful story. The kindness of a king to welcome the undeserving, the broken, the lame to his table, to make him like one of his sons. What grace, what mercy, what love. I'm, I'm assuming you're probably drawing the parallel, right? This amazing scripture, passage of scripture in, here in the Old Testament typifies what Jesus is for us, what he invites us into. Maybe today, as we've talked about Isaiah 55 and this invitation to come to the table, you feel like Mephibosheth did. Maybe you're feeling broken, ashamed. Maybe you feel undeserving of this invitation to the table. Maybe you hear what we, these scriptures that we just read and you think that's really nice, but it's for somebody else. It couldn't be for me. You don't know my past. You don't know my brokenness. You don't know what I did. You don't know where I've been. You don't know my story. I'm coming in covered in shame, scattering shame everywhere I go. Who am I that you would show regard for a dead dog such as I? Maybe that's where you're at right now. Hear this story today as a window into the heart of God for you. Yeah, maybe you don't deserve kindness shown by a king, but that's the whole point of this story. It's the whole point of the gospel story. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to be put together. You don't have to be cleaned up and dusted off. You don't have to be home. You are welcomed to the king as you are. You don't have to have it all together. The king says, I will make you whole. Feast at his table like one of his sons because he is gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love towards you. Maybe today you don't relate to Mephibosheth. Maybe you, you came in today feeling like God owes you something. Maybe you feel like you have been good enough. <laughs> Maybe you come in saying like, I'm, I'm doing my best, but I don't feel like God is giving me a break. I try and I try. I'm here at church. I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to live the right way. I'm 
trying to be honorable with my finances and with my relationships, yet I still keep hitting wall after wall after wall. I'm still broken. Hear this today. We're all Mephibosheth in this room. We all have our own shortcomings and failures. We all have our own brokenness. And today I'm praying that I and all of us would see that. We would recognize that, that we are truly broken, that we are truly lost and we are truly hopeless, that that is the truth, just like it was from Mephibosheth, but that's not the whole story. That despite our brokenness and shame, despite our self-righteousness, the king has called our name. The king calls your name today and he's brought you into his courts. He's prepared a seat at his table for you and for me. And when you are seated at his table, he doesn't seem, see your brokenness, your lameness, your deformities. He sees you as one of his sons, his daughters. As we've been reading this story, you may be wondering, like I was wondering, why? Like, why? I don't, I don't, this is an amazing story. Is, is, is David just super charitable? Is he just really, really nice? Was he, was he making a PR move? What, what, what was going on? Why did he do this? Well, we find the answer back in verse one of chapter nine. It says this, and David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? For Jonathan's sake. Who's Jonathan? Jonathan was Saul's son. Yeah, Mephibosheth's father. Now, if you don't know the story of Jonathan, he and David were, were tight. They were buds. They were friends. They were super close. They loved one another with brotherly affection, so much so that they made a covenant together. And David made a promise to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 20 that no matter what happened, to Saul or to Jonathan, that David would show kindness to, to Saul's house forever. The kindness given here in 2 Samuel chapter 9 to Mephibosheth was not kindness that he earned. It was not a random act of kindness. It wasn't a kindness that was deserved. It was faithfulness to a promise that came to bear because of the death of a beloved son. And the king was loyal to his promise and to that son's family. See, when, when Mephibosheth came into the courts and stood before David, and David looked into his face, he saw Jonathan. He saw who Jonathan was. He saw what Jonathan meant to him. He saw that bond, that friendship. He didn't see Mephibosheth's brokenness. He didn't see the judgments of the outsiders. He didn't even see what Mephibosheth saw in himself. He saw Jonathan. And it was for Jonathan's sake that he lavished Mephibosheth with kindness and love and grace and mercy. It was for Jonathan's sake. For those of us who have trusted Jesus for salvation, 
When the father looks at you and me, he doesn't see our brokenness. He doesn't see our lameness. He doesn't see the labels put on us by ourselves or by others. He doesn't see our deficiencies. He doesn't see our shortcomings. He sees Jesus, his beloved son. He sees the righteousness that we are clothed in, not by any works of our own, but simply because of the finished work of Jesus. It's because of this that we are welcomed to the table. Not because we deserve it, simply because of Jesus. We're going to take some time here in just a moment to pray. Just by ourselves, between us and the Lord. And today, maybe you identify with Mephibosheth. Maybe you feel so much shame because of your past, because of your story. Confess that before the kind king and receive his compassion and his love, his forgiveness and his grace. Ask him to help you see yourself like he sees you. You would understand the forgiveness that's been given to you, the grace that's been shown to you, the kindness that's been demonstrated to you in Jesus. Ask him to show you that by the power of his spirit. Ask him for that. Maybe you've been struggling with self-righteousness and pride and arrogance. Like God owes you something. Confess that before him. Say, God, I recognize that I'm broken. That I, like everyone else, fall short of the glory of God. Forgive me. Receive his forgiveness. Maybe you haven't trusted Jesus to be your savior and your Lord. Maybe you haven't been walking in a relationship with him. Maybe you're new to church or you've been in church for a long time and you've never surrendered your life to him. Here in this moment, today, I wanna invite you to trust Jesus to be your savior, to be your Lord, to rescue and redeem you, to make you whole, place a seat for you at his table that you would dine and eat and enjoy him. The Psalms tell us in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is goodness in the person of Jesus. There's goodness in his presence. There is joy in his presence at his table. Simple, just say to God in your own words, in your own heart, Lord, I need you. God, I need you. I can't do this in my own strength. I recognize that I fall short. I need you to make me whole. I want when you look at me, not to see my brokenness, but to see Jesus and his righteousness, his good works. Put your trust in him. He's trustworthy, he's faithful, he's good, he loves you, he cares for you, he died for you, he rose again for you, he offers you life and hope and joy and freedom. It's only found in him, so trust him.
So as, as Amy comes and plays, let's just all spend some time with the Lord, wherever we're at, confessing, repenting, receiving his grace, receiving his forgiveness. Asking him to do what only he can do. Let's pray. God, you're so good. You're so kind. God, we recognize that we do not deserve your grace. We do not deserve your love. We do not deserve your mercy. We do not deserve your compassion and your kindness. Yet, God, you lavish us with those things. You're abounding in steadfast love. You are overflowing with grace and mercy. God, today we're amazed that we have been invited in and that we've been welcomed to the table of the King of Kings. Lord, hear us now. Hear our hearts. God, give us strength and boldness to confess our sin before you. God, may your kindness shower over us now as we receive your forgiveness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, have your way right now in this time. Do what only you can do, God. We need you. And we confess that before you. Amen. Amen. Take some time now for the Lord.
gathered together here today uh, as a church, uh, just with open hands. And God, what do you have for us? And today we have an invitation to come and to sit at the King's table (laughs) and to eat with him. How beautiful an invitation that is today. I hope, I trust that today, as we've been here together, that we have seen the goodness and the beauty of the gospel laid before us, the good news of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. He is offering himself to us, we who are undeserving, like Mephibosheth. That because of the kindness of God to remember Jesus, and what Jesus has done and to extend what Jesus has done to us by faith so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ, so that we could be right with God, that we could be able to dine at the table with God, that we would be able to sit with God in right relationship, not having done anything to earn it, not having done anything to deserve it, but that the beauty of the gospel lays before us today with an invitation that says, come, Jesus has made a way for us to come to the table and to dine with the King. This morning, as I was preparing for our time together, sitting in those seats, just reading through the beauty of Isaiah 55, knowing what Zach was going to be bringing to us today through the story of David and Mephibosheth, and preparing for what we're about to step into next. I just became overwhelmed with the goodness and the beauty and the kindness of our King Jesus, that he would invite us to draw near to himself. And I hope that we're all in that space today. What we're about to step into next is something that Jesus instituted on the night that he went to die on the cross for our salvation, the night that he was betrayed. Jesus was with his disciples and he instituted the communion meal. And in that moment, as his disciples were grappling with the reality of what he would be going to do, Jesus presented before them bread and wine. And he said, this is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood that has been poured out and will be poured out for you. As often as you do this, do this to remember me. And he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and they took the wine and they shared the communion meal together. And for us, for followers of Jesus, 2000 years later, that communion meal is an opportunity for us to remember the work of Jesus on our behalf that makes it possible for us to sit at his table. And so we're gonna do that together today. But the communion meal is not just something that we remember what Jesus has done for us in our past. 
but it is also an opportunity for us to look forward to a day that for those of us who put our trust in Jesus for salvation, we will have in the next life together. In the book of Revelation, John records the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19 verse six says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us, and that's us, rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride, that is us, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, listen to this, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Church, we, by faith in Jesus, are the bride of Christ. And we have been invited to the table to dine and to feast with him for all eternity. And what we get to celebrate together through sharing communion is both a remembrance of what Jesus has done and it's a foretaste of what he will do and that we will join with him for in the future together. So today, if you're here and you know Jesus, we're gonna invite you here in just a moment up to the table. There's tables up in the front and on the sides of the room and in the back of the room. And we'll have leaders there administering a piece of bread that you can then dip in either to the wine or the juice, whatever your preference. The wine reminds us of the bitterness of the sacrifice that Jesus made for our salvation. The juice reminds us of the sweetness of the goodness of God. So whatever your preference, if you're here and you have allergy to gluten, you need a gluten-free option, or you're just conscious of all the germs, whatever, that's fine. We have that available for you as well. But the opportunity and the point of this time together is as a family, to come together and to remember Jesus and to look forward to our time with him in eternity and to recognize that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has invited a bunch of undeserving Mephibosheths to the table to dine with him. The gospel is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel is good. Our King is kind. And he's inviting every single one of us to put our trust in him for salvation and to celebrate him through the body and the blood of Jesus as we remember him and look forward to him through communion. I'm gonna pray together and then I'll invite you to come to the table. Father God, we come before you grateful for the feast that you have prepared for us, which is you. You are good. You are exceedingly good. You are sufficient. You are all sufficient. And we have nothing to offer. 
yet you have invited us to the table to dine and to feast as redeemed sinners saved by grace, made new and made whole by trusting in you for salvation. Lord, we thank you for this communion table. We pray that you would allow us together as a family to share this together. This moment where we look back on what you've done and we look forward to what we will have with you for all of eternity. So God, as we come, help us to remember you. Help us to examine our hearts, where we're at with you. Help us to recognize if there may be anything that is going on in our lives, any sin that needs to be repented of, any struggle that we just need to confess to you, any hindrance that holds us down, any sin that is tripping us up, Jesus, help us to admit and confess that to you in this moment. And then help us come to receive your goodness and your grace. Jesus, we thank you for the invitation to come and dine with you. Help us to say yes to that today, each and every one of us and us as a collective. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.